0: You were expecting the Godfather. (laughs) I feel like working though. Uh, This feels like, you know, it's work time. It's 2024. We starting the year off right. It's time to get some things done. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to talk kingdom business with you. With the good pastor, David Reese. Happy 2024. I, I don't know about you, but I had a problem. For whatever reason, the last this last year, I couldn't come up with any New Year's resolutions. I couldn't. I didn't I didn't have anything to to, to come up with. It's like uh, uh, what I want to do. Twenty twenty four. I'm still stuck doing the same old, same old stuff because I didn't feel like I got enough traction with it last year. And so I was like, man, what do I what do I need to do? this next year what is what is 2024 going to look like how i'm going to take more ground for the kingdom this next coming year and and i got it and the person who's gonna (laughs) the person who i found to give it to you is the good mr dr bishop pastor david reese he's going to give us all of the things that we need to know to make it in 2024, he's going to set the record straight. What is it that you need to have to be doing to take dominion for 2024? But before he does, I got to say, of the it, I'll, I'll, it's always all of the things. It's always all the things. But before we bring him in to talk about civic covenanting or national covenanting or just being biblical as it relates to government, I got to talk about my sponsor real quick. <sighs> Newhearttreasures.com. That's where you need to go. They have great stuff. My sponsor this Christmas gave me this lovely Sing Psalms cup. It's so great. She's so right. Go over to newhearttreasures.com. Get you something amazing from Hannah. She's amazing. And hey, if you can't buy anything, go fill out a prayer request. They pray for you. How many companies actually have a place for you to fill out a prayer request so that they can pray for you? That's awesome. If nothing else, go do that. Get some prayer from Hannah. And then after that, after the Lord answers those prayers, go buy something great from her. OK, I'm going to take a drink of everything that she gives me like this. My cups they all taste better after mm-hmm. my drink tastes better after I pour it in there. I don't know what it is. I think she blesses them. Have you ever had a blessed cup? That's what this is. This is a blessed cup. Mr. Reese, happy 2024, sir. Happy
1: 2024 to you as well. I'm glad that we've both survived. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is going into further dominion throughout the world. The leaven is leavening the lump. Uh, so
0: I'm excited to see what the Lord does this year. Um uh I didn't know since you were a Puritan, I didn't think that you were actually gonna say happy anything to me because I know this is like a celebration a date. We don't a believe in happiness. Okay. <laughs> you are a Puritan. You are a Puritan, <laughs> so it's very true. That is that is a thing with you. Listen, I, do, do, I you know, uh,
1: do you know do you know the defining characteristics of Puritanism? Well, that they're not happy. The the principal the principal point of doctrine of a Puritan is is you have to be afraid that somebody somewhere is having a good time. Yeah. And you have to put it into it. <laughs>
0: swiftly. Like Cromwellian it's- swiftly. Oh, so so if it's Cromwell, it doesn't last for long. Pretty soon, they'll be having fun again. <laughs> Sorry. That's a very internal joke. Like, no one ever is going to get that. Okay, I want to say. Fun- we- it's funny because. no, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's. Sorry. That's inside for real. Um, Everybody that's on Facebook, on YouTube, on X, we got X video. And you know what? I don't, we are streaming right now on Instagram too. Instagram is now let us start to stream there. So we're streaming from there as well. And we're on the spaces. So I see you in the spaces. If you're in there, if you want to talk, nothing has changed since 2023. You know my rules. You have to share the show you have to be able to have prove to me that you engage with this content in some way. And I'm copying and pasting the link right now that if you want to jump in here and ask questions on any of the platforms that I, I named in spaces, you can just raise your hand. I'll put up there, but on YouTube, on Facebook and on X, there is a link inside the messages I just dropped. But I, you have to prove to me that you shared the show if you want to ask Mr. Reese any questions. All right, so, so, so Bishop, here's something that I was thinking about. I've been thinking a lot, you know, about our conversations. I went back and listened to all of our conversations that we've had. The last one particularly was amazing. The last one was particularly amazing because I think it's the one that everybody was been waiting for. By the way, you can hear all of those conversations on YouTube or inside the Pub app. Um, it, on YouTube, they're actually a playlist inside of the Cross Politics channel called Civic Covenanting. All the shows are there. And then I think we did like two that were just audio. Those are inside the Pub TV app that are getting put on YouTube channel. So all right. those conversations are there. But these are some of the best conversations about laying out the principles of what it looks like to actually have a Christian nation, to build a Christian society. Um, and I even think post-millennialism is is, in, is all wrapped inside of here, too. And you've been doing a fabulous job. And as you've been laying this out, and, and I went back and listened to these shows, one of the things that has really been gnawing at me and, and, and haunting me is the fact that There is a lot of unfinished business as it relates to the other governments that keep a nation afloat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And so this year, and this is why I titled this uh, Good Governments for 2024, is because this year, I think if we don't really focus in on um the other governments and by those other governments i mean self government family government church government and then of course the civil government right if we don't focus in on those earlier ones then we don't have a nation that can that can um produce good we we don't have good governments we don't have good nation and part of the thing that got me thinking about this was my daughter brought something to me and they were having this conversation in class and I, th- I think it was around the idea of free speech and what speech we have to let happen and how it works. And because of the way that we think, we believe that there's only one government that has any responsibility and duty to deal with the issues of speech. And if they don't operate, if they don't engage, then we, don't, we can't do anything. And I was working through with her that, honey, there are other touch points First of all, let's just clear this out. The, the the civil government doesn't do thought crimes. They they tend to do that right now, right. <laughs> but they don't do thought crimes. But it doesn't mean that there's not governments that do, right? We and we have other governments that get to say, no, you don't get to think like that. Spank, spank, right? <laughs> you don't get. And this is my company, right? Um, this is an extension of my family. We have a certain ethical code that we function and live by. God's word, that is in violation of that. You don't get to talk like that and be here, right? And so we've we've missed out on building up those other institutions. And so all of the problems that we have, because those other institutions aren't doing their job, the civil government has had to handle all of that. And so kind of my thought for 2024 is, I need to go back and really nail down the 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 idea of a good father a good husband who has good government individual government self-control there and and I wanted to know from you like how do you think about the new year how do you think about um every time because you're a Puritan so it's always interesting to know like I know you didn't shoot your guns or fire off any fireworks because that would have been having too much fun but i wonder how you, it was on the lord's day it, so. <laughs> right right well yeah was it though it was new year's well new year's eve the <laughs> so i don't think so but anyway uh but how do you think about how do you think about 2024 how do you think about the new year do you have any plans what do you what do you what is your your mindset on this yeah. So I think, um, you know, the,
1: the fact that the calendar that we broadly use is, you know, the Gregorian calendar and it's based upon, you know, sort of the, the, the broadly accepted. It's a mixture of the Roman calendar and then, you know, the, the Roman Catholic Gregorian calendar. Right. And so that's just, that's just what we use. So, uh, in an ideal society, what would we have? We'd have a, a, a more Christian calendar mm. that would, um, have 52 holy days on it called the Lord's Day. And, uh, and then the rest of the year would be the ordinary uh, days for work. Um, and then you would have recreation and work on those days. And what you would do is you would simply, you're, you're counting the time, right? And so the idea of days, weeks, months, and years for counting time, well, that's a part of the creation order that God has given. Um, and so, you know, the, the Jews used to use, for example, as opposed to, you know, we have a bunch of weird names for days of the week. Uh, and if you look into the origins of those names, for example, some of them are you know, like Thursdays, like Thursday or something like that. Anyway, so you, you got a bunch of like weird stuff there, right? So ideally, the, the Jews used a numbering system. They just had first day, second day, third day, fourth day. So we would ideally get rid of pagan naming and we would have sort of a a, a naming that is um, a Protestant naming convention. So it could be accounting or, or you know whatever. But so that's one thing. But when it comes to – so does New Year's mean anything to me? No, it doesn't. Uh, it is the end of our fiscal year. Um, and so <laughs> the accounting for the year stops there uh, for Armored Republic, for example. Um, and, and so those, those sort of uh, – that, that's about it. There's a counting of time and marking off of time. But what typically is happening there at the same time is because that happens to be where my planning has also stopped, I do end up actually doing sort of a planning towards the end of the year. But I do that on a quarterly basis. Um, every, I, I mark out the year in 13 week segments. And my goal is to spend a week sort of enjoying recreation and a week spending time planning and building up, you know, what I'm going to do. And then we go and execute, right? And so that's, that's what I try to do. I don't, haven't actually been able to effectively make that happen every year, um, but that has been sort of my design, my goal. Uh, and I think that having sort of those clock touch points is a really important thing to do. And so I have just gone through a period of reflection thinking about what to do and, and planning to go forward, and I think that's an important thing to regularly do to number your days, think about the reality of how little time that's and resources right. you have. Uh, so that's that's my own practice, but New Year's itself has no um, has no significance to me other than other than the fact that we're just switching the calendar date. Well, that's lame. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, no. we, do we can. So, do you think that we had any victories in twenty twenty three as as the as a Christian, a reformed person, as a Puritan, yeah. You look at it, it's America, the reformed Christian world. Did you think that we have any victories there?
1: Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that happened that was pretty crazy for the year is the widespread discussion of Christian government, mm. um, the degree mm. to which that entered the public sphere. And um, you know, what I find myself talking with people about now in terms of Christian government, in terms of the civil sphere, is is not so much just like we need to have a Christian government as much as it is what kind of Christian government and what's the basis for law. And that's where the conversation needs to be is talking about the application of the Bible to law. So I'm finding that's become a far more extensive conversation. Way more people are open to it. I think the Lord is, is using the fact that we are in the big picture. You, know, you kind of look around in the, the society as a whole, and it looks like we're losing harder. Um, and the reality is that what's happening there is the Lord is accomplishing one of the key principles of strategy, which is the consolidation of resources. And so mm. the we're told that the Lord Jesus Christ uses the ordinances of the new covenant to gather and perfect the elect in the church, right? So the church is empowered with ministry and ordinances to gather and perfect the elect. So I think what we're seeing is a lot of people become disenchanted with the secular worldview and we're seeing them realize how awful it is. And they were deeply indoctrinated. So they understand the degree to which it's awful. And they're kind of coming into the church, um, realizing that there are serious problems in the world at large. And we're also seeing Christians start to think about things more. So we're seeing the gathering of the elect occur and we're seeing the perfecting, like the maturing of them as they grow in the knowledge of God and think about how to apply the word of God in areas they've forgotten for a while and I think nominal Christianity and big Christianity, big evangelicalism, whatever, those, those big churches are becoming more obviously wrought to more people. Now, mm. and that being the case, I think what's happening is people are, are starting to go to more solid churches. And so those organizations getting more people, more resources, more matured um, is a really powerful and important thing it is going to have multiple generation you know, consequences across multiple generations.
0: Oh, man. So last time we spoke, um, we were talking about the type of government we wanted, and before we got there, which was really good. I loved, I, I just loved that show. I, you know, we spent so much time. We've kind of been teasing people. We spent so much time talking about the family and the office of the home, the prophet, priest, and king, and and the, uh, the office. None of that the stuff home. matters. I mean, why do we take so long? I know. It took so long. But then by the time you get up to the, the civil magistrate, you, like, you have this this bag of tools on how mm. to operate, and you know where everything goes, right? right. And, and even though you might not know all of the ins and outs of how the government is working, you have an ethical code with standards and case laws now that you're like, wait a second. I've been practicing this since I became a husband. I've been disciplining since I became a father. I've been mm-hmm. managing since I became an owner of a company, right? I, I know right. how this works because I've been applying God's law every area from the top to bottom of my house, from my self-government to my family, and now working with my elders. So we have this tool bag to, and, and you applied it so well. And so the last time we talked, you spoke about the six potential ways of creating a government. And I think if oh, I'm going to try to do so off the top of my head all right. Anarchy was one, real politique was the other. Uh number 3 was uh don't tell me don't tell me oh uh number 3 was social contract? That's one of them. Oh, uh natural law, right? A divine uh rights of kings mm-hmm. and then divine law. Right. Okay. So I, I didn't probably put them in order but that was a and Right. and and one of the things that you hit on social contract that i thought was really good was that social contract and you didn't say it like this and so you can correct me social contract was this form of covenanting without god and i thought about a secular covenanting is what social contract seems to be right which would that be right a fair assessment i think it's close the only issue is i think so i think that's
1: true because it's essentially a a a contract right which a covenant is a contract, but it doesn't have to be voluntarily entered into. And so if it's a contract requires voluntary entrance, the, a covenant does not, um, you know, a child is born into a household and that they've got, the parents have a covenant or obligation to them and the kids have covenant obligations to the parents. Right. So there's, there's not always contracts are necessarily voluntary, whereas a covenant is not. And so you can, and, and a covenant is formed with an oath. Right. So, so, and I think oaths only make sense if you've got God. Right. So I think that's kind of your point is that a contract. It's secular. Right. Right. So if you don't have God, then you know, promise is just, you know, one fizzing brain, you know, making sounds to another fizzing brain. Right. There's there's no there's no there's no binding obligations.
0: Yes. And so and you ended really well with theos, right? Uh, theos. Is that the right way to say it, theos? Mm-hmm. Um, which was transcendent hierarchy, ethics, um, oaths, and then sync and um, uh, succession. And and so I'm not going to break all those down. You have to go back and listen to that show last time. It's in, in the playlist on YouTube. It's in the app. Fantastic. Everybody needs to go back and listen to that. And you were there was a second half to that because part of what we wanted, and this is why I'm setting this up like this. Part of, I don't think we can get to this part of talking about civic covenanting apart from building, going back to the basics. My time this year is going to be spent so much on fatherhood and husbandry. I am spending a, so much time on that, and 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 we've been talking about too accumulating wealth, building businesses, building wealth. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Because we haven't operated within those categories well enough to be able to govern if everything was to fall on our on our laps, right? We right. haven't done that. So where do we need to go from here now? What's the next stage, next step to talk about to work through in this conversation? Yeah. So. Um... You know, recently, one of the things I've I've done
1: is in my church, for example, I've been I've been preaching on the the, the adoption of a discipleship plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I think when you look at, for example, first John chapter two, he he talks about the idea of being children in the faith, young men in the faith, fathers in the faith, and the difference between those. Well, when I go over the outline of stuff that I want children in the faith to know, you know, it's basically you go, Well, you need to know the solos, tulip, trinity incarnation, and covenant theology. Okay. Covenant of works, covenant of grace. Okay. Well, you know, in addition to that, you need to know the basics of the law and you need to know the basics of the outward and ordinary means of grace, right? Which is word sacrament prayer. So, okay, great. Now, what does a young man need to know? Well, he needs to know the same things. You just list out the same things. You got more detail and uh, you're going to go and let's know the Bible in more detail and let's know the order of the story more. Okay. Mm. And you go, well, what, what does a father need to know? Well, he needs to know the same truths And he needs to be able to prove them from the Bible. And he needs to be able to argue with others in a skillful way. So the young man starts to fight. The father is a trainer of soldiers. He is a mature man, right? And so it's sort of the same thing. So there's this idea that a master is the master of the fundamentals. Mm. A master is a master of the, the basic moves. And so you want to be really good at something. You're going to know the basics of it really, really well. And you're going to, to know how to put them together into more and more complex combinations. And those combinations are going to become more and more familiar with you. But you can't, you know, it's, it's sort of like people want to be like, I'd like to be fluent in the English language. Okay, great. Let's start with the English alphabet. And I don't want that. Okay, well, how about we go to words then? Like, Well, no, I don't want that. Oh, okay. How you put English sentences together? No, I don't want that. It's like, I'd like to go straight to paragraphs or maybe like writing a novel. It's yeah, like, novels, ah, novels. Ah. Novels. <laughs> So so that that problem, right, where we want to skip over the letters and the words and making sentences and then starting to group them together into paragraphs. Like, you know, masters are really good at writing paragraphs and putting paragraphs together and putting them into books, right? And so that idea that you need to be a master of the basics. Um, everybody wants to be a master. Nobody wants to deal with the basics. And the basics is how you get to be a master and the repetition of it. And then the teaching of that and and the application of it over and over again. Meditation in the law, day and night. You go, well, the law. What's that? I mean, it's like well, love God, love neighbor. Here's the Ten Commandments. You know, here's the case laws that explain how the Ten Commandments apply. Here's the approved and disapproved examples that help us to understand those. And you meditate on that over and 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 over, and over, and over again, right? And so that that repetition, you draw out more and more, and you see new applications. And so there's a you know hypothetically infinite number of applications of the law of God, mm-hmm. but the law of God itself is a set of principles. That you you know them and you can then draw out the implications and applications. And so knowing the basics, knowing that for the the news, the gospel, and knowing it for the law, the,
0: the commandments. So, when, did you list off those basics? You said Sola scriptura, uh, the, the solas, the uh, tulip, right?
1: Yeah, so, yeah. So I think I think the basics for a for a if you want to be established, right? Historically, the church talking about confirmation being confirmed being established in the faith right and then rome turned it into a sacrament and protestants freaked out and were like ah we can't use this anymore it's like no it's just not a sacrament we should still seek to confirm people in the faith um so this idea it's the the basics that you need to be established in are the solas tulip the trinity incarnation and basic covenant theology covenant of works covenant of grace and that's, those are the basics of the gospel. And if you go and look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, for example, and you go read questions 1 through 38, okay, you're going to find that that's the content of questions 1 through 38. And and there's this neat thing. okay, In the Shorter Catechism, you start out with, you know, what's the purpose of life? Glorify God. Okay. The second question is, okay, well, how do we know how to glorify God? What's the only rule to direct us how to do that? Mm-hmm. Scripture. Scripture is the only rule to direct it's us Jesus how to glorify Lord. God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what does scripture basically teach? And that's question three. Okay. Yeah. Question three gives you a summary of the whole content of what the scriptures teach. And the Dutch called this the double knowledge. Mm. Okay. The double knowledge. And the double knowledge is the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And so questions one through 38 are just the knowledge of God. And then the law of God teaches us about who we are. And the outward and ordinary means of grace are an explanation of the second commandment, how to worship God. Okay, so word, sacrament, prayer are elaborations on the second commandment. And so the whole rest of the Shorter Catechism in you know question 39 through 107 is teaching us about who we are and what we're supposed to do to worship God, how we operate properly. And it teaches us what we're supposed to do. So the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. That's the, the double knowledge. Those are the, those are the key elements of wisdom. It's also how... Uh, Calvin starts out the institutes.
0: The scriptures principally teach man is to know and believe about God and what duty God requires of man. Great. You know, yeah, that's right. And yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that that seems to be where we lose everybody at, right? Like everybody is excited to, uh, even with the family stuff, people like that, even with the church. Okay. We like that. Cause we, yeah. but when it starts going back, okay, now here's where you're going to have to like, ah, uh, uh Because, And and here's how I know, because when we talk about civic covenanting, this is never in the conversation, right? Right. This is never in the conversation. You don't hear anybody say, hey, crack open your Bible and let's talk about what God says and how God says a government should work. Right. That's just not in the what everybody's more comfortable doing. And I'm not saying that we should throw this out, by the way. But what they're more comfortable doing is like, let's find our historical backdrop of where we came from and our forefathers, and let's champion that idea. And it's like... Well, let's look at Genesis 1 and 2 then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the response, right? It's like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Let's open up Genesis and let's have this conversation. So part of... of, Okay, I I, I love that. I'm glad that we got that out. I think we need to continue to talk about that. But I also want to talk about this thing that that we've talked about a little bit here. After you understand these principles, the hardest part about getting the the basics down and knowing them and becoming somewhat of a master is figuring out how to apply them well, especially mm-hmm. in an environment where it doesn't seem like we have handles on the society to be able to say, oh, the, let's put the, uh, it's like having the bomb uh, to fix a problem, but you can't put it on the, the victim. <laughs> You, you have a burn patient and it's like everywhere I touch, it hurts. <laughs> I can't even put on anything to help this patient. And so, Man, and, and and I think we've talked about this and we've called this kind of the concept of chaos. When you have chaos and everything's out of whack, nobody knows what normal is in any facet. I mean, right. the, you have conservatives who are comfortable saying, let's do pinup uh, calendars for yeah. conservative dads because it's at least not trans it's at least women so let's go back to our old school lust (laughs) yeah yeah because that's that's conservative and and so you you know um we have no concept at all of what the the ideal understanding of biblical um wisdom is to a situation so we don't even know where to start. When I saw that calendar come out with the conservatives, I in one sense I wasn't even mad at them. I was mad at the Christians who have allowed an ethic to there's nobody preaching. There's no prophet. There's no preaching. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't have even been I was telling my daughter to speak as we were talking about this I said when you have a when you have all the governments running properly, the house is running properly, the church is running properly, the the individuals uh, are run are governing themselves. The environment of shame that says you don't get to act like this in society permeates the culture and says sin has to flee because it won't be tolerated here. And so when you see a toleration of sin in an environment, it means the governments aren't at play. They're not working like they're supposed to. The immune system is broken. And so. So in one says I'm I'm mad at them, but I'm not mad at them. I'm saying there's an immune system that should say this is not allowed. Here, get this out of here. What are we doing? Get this out of right. here,
1: right? <laughs> right. And, and social pressure is so powerful. Right. We talk about this, the the three uses of the law. Right. The law of God. Right. The law of God. One. The thing that's like the most obvious in a culture is the restraining power. Right. There's the three uses of the law: the mirror, the chain, and the lamp. Right. So as a chain, it binds or restrains evil, and. And that idea, right? There's the social element. There's also the way in which, like, constitutions restrain, you know, rulers and all that kind of stuff, right? But, but that that is a powerful thing that prevents the level of evil. And so, what we're seeing in our society is, you know, Psalm two stuff, where the you know the heathen nations are raging, throwing off the chains of the law of God, and and therefore throwing off trying to rebel against and conspire against the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord's anointed, the Messiah, and and so. We 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 need to preach the law. Everybody want, everybody wants to scream down our preaching of the law. Well, preaching yeah. of the law is necessary to show people their need of salvation, and to show the holiness of God. And then, you know, the, the and the reason you know that gets stopped a lot of times. We, the reason we shut our mouths is because people shame us about our hypocrisy. Yeah. Okay, and the yeah. appropriate response is to give up your hypocrisy as opposed to giving up preaching the law. Mm. And and so then, in addition to that, right. It shows us the way we should go. And and here's the deal. We all want to unite with a bunch of people and we have tons of influence. Well, guess what? If you can't rule yourself, you can't rule your household, your church isn't in good order, your local government's not good in, order, in good order, you know, you're playing if you want to try to influence the federal government. And so what you you, know, what you need to stop play acting. And instead of that, what we need to do is we need to say, let's take the law of God. Let's apply it in our sphere. Make your zone a Goshen. Make your zone a place. It's a city on a hill with light, and and when you do that, it makes it so there's a distinction, and it draws people to you. And what we do is we give up because we want to influence people. We don't want to talk about the law in detail. We don't want to talk about the points of disagreement. We don't want to be shaming people, and so we try to unite with people who we really have no union with. And so Mm. if two are not agreed, they can't walk together. Everybody pretends like we have the same goal. It's like the goal is human flourishing. No, it's not. The goal is to glorify God, and and a byproduct is human flourishing. Okay? The goal is to glorify God. The goal is not human flourishing. The goal is not, you know, let's have a good society. The goal is not let's make it so our kids have a good, you know, raising of their childhood or whatever. That's not the goal. The goal is to glorify God. And those are all byproducts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his, his righteousness. righteousness. Yeah. And you get all the other stuff. You seek the other stuff, those things become gods. Let's not, reach, reach out. let's not pretend like we're worshiping the same God or we have the same goal. And so we need to have Goshen.
0: So I I um I asked you before the show I was like hey man what did you think about 2023? Now you actually said more than you actually said earlier in the show, uh, but you say I don't even remember it, and it made me think: Are you at all concerned or thinking about the election coming up this year? Like, do you oh. have any thoughts at all? Because I, I and I know it sounds like a sidetrack of a conversation, but it's not. <laughs> so I I don't I don't want don't tell anybody
1: this, but. I don't think one of the civil covenanted candidates is going to win. (laughs) Now, 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 I still want to encourage people to look for that civil covenanted candidate. Uh, But probably most of them won't know any, and they also won't be able to find them on any ballots. So what I expect is some godless, wicked, unbelieving person who does not fear the Lord, does not love the truth, does not hate covetousness, is not a man of valor, right? I don't expect a qualified person to get elected to be president of the United States. Do you watch the news at all? So the news is largely a bunch of information that is useless and aggravating. Mm. And so I generally try to avoid the news. It is aggravating and useless. Yeah, I generally try to avoid the news because what I find is it brings chaos into my mind and makes it so that as opposed to thinking about the word of God or some duty I have, uh, it's it's telling me a bunch of crazy stuff. Now, if I lived in a society where nobody really knew what was going on, where there wasn't any sort of like public display of stuff and people wouldn't come and tell me, I might take more time to try to figure out what's happening in the public sphere. I'd probably batch it into like weekly things or you know monthly things or whatever. But as it is, I generally try to avoid it. Um, and the reason I try to avoid it is so that I can do other stuff. Because it's so easy to get your mind distracted. Focus is hard to come by disciplined performance of duties is hard to come by getting blocks of time to accomplish things is difficult and so my goal is to focus my mind on duties and the performance of those duties and prayer is hard to get your mind to focus on and when you have all this stuff floating around in it you know you got things you're trying to do you got you got conflict in your life you're trying to deal with you got you know, stuff you're worried about and you got news Okay, well, in prayer when the news is in your mind you need to the things you're anxious about you just offer them up to god you pray the you lord please help to deal with this help me to have strength and resources to deal with this and and you know i trust you know you lord you govern history and you you hand over all of those things to god the father and you move on to the other stuff and, you're, and if, you, if you're focused on on the news like you're just
0: chasing your tail you know, you're not going to get stuff done you're going to waste your time so you're going to hate me for this because this is not something that you like to talk about at all which is yourself I, I, how do you, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thoughts that hit you? Like, as you're planning your day, you're going through your routine. What's your, what's your routine? I'm yeah. intrigued. So I, I typically wake up,
1: um, something, something I've got to deal with is typically it comes into my mind quickly or, or prayer. Um, but normally what I, if I'm being honest, something comes into my mind, some difficulty I've got to deal with. Right. I wake up, my eyes open and there's some Trouble. problem, <laughs> some problem, some problem in my mind. Um, And, you know, typically, um, you know, I might check for key communications that have come in or something like that. Um, And then my goal is to, as quickly as possible, move to listening to an audio Bible or something like that while I get ready. Right. So I I get ready for the day. Um, I then, you know, I I either do my private worship in the morning, which is, you know, prayer, uh, reading the Bible um, or some sort of doctrine of the Bible and trying to meditate on it um, and then singing a psalm. Or I do it with my wife um, and we kind of rotate between doing that by ourselves or doing it with my wife. And um, and our four-year-old who isn't disciplined enough to do his own morning worship right now uh, is often with us. So um, so that that's sort of the day. And she and I talk a little bit and we deal with stuff uh, and try to figure out what, what the objectives are. And then I go and work out. And after, after that, um, then I'm kind of just – I typically got a meeting or something else scheduled or a phone call so I can deal with something while I'm changing after the workout and try to make it. So there's some sort of ability to get stuff done, clicking a check stuff off the list. And my day is either scheduled out with work blocks or it's uh, meetings. And those would be a combination of pastoral meetings or work meetings or, or, or getting stuff off my task list that I've got to do. And my goal is to get everything off of my list possible by delegating it or killing it. And the stuff that I have to do is really expensive because it's really hard to find more than 10, 20 hours in a week. And like, if I'm being real, You know, my my work week is typically somewhere a light week is 60 hours and a a heavy week is 90 hours. That's because the Lord's Day I'm putting in a 12 hour day, you know. And and on Saturdays I'm trying to spend time with the family. And if I can manage to avoid having to deal with other work on those days, but pastoral meetings and stuff are often on those days. And so the the work time uh, that is not time with the family. And every father who's worth his salt knows that he's actually trying to work to serve his wife. And his children when he's at home with his with his family right so that's the reality the day is that and that's good it's good because it avoids idleness and and my joys are from seeing progress and what the lord has done and fruit that's born and um and the way in which you see your children walk in the truth and you see you know, the congregants of your church starting to walk in the truth more and more and, and all that so that's that's what the that's what the, that's what the schedules like
0: that's, that's really helpful. And it's thoughtful. Be- and the reason I brought it up is because part of what I was going to ask is how do you, if you're not engaging with the news and the social media and what's going on in the culture and things like that, how are you actually able to have an effect if you don't know what's going on? Right? And so there is this this um, separation of like, okay, I'm going to go do the thing to be go, be faithful. But then are you doing the thing that's actually going to have an impact in the culture and society? Right right so so and people and people send stuff to you i mean like
1: who which one of us doesn't get a text message when somebody's like oh did you see this or you know, like right. whatever right? You, you get the thing right so so the, the impact is you've got to find good work to do as an individual a part of a household uh you know that includes where you work right you're gonna be a good churchman and you should seek to be an officer to be officer qualified and and that idea of trying to be able to be useful to bear weight to you know to help to carry the yoke um and so, I, and I, I'm sorry. This is a really important part that I needed to get to that, that I forgot about in the, in the in the schedule for the day that I want to make sure everybody knows about. When you get home, right? If you you do like your family dinner and family worship, if, if you're actually trying to have time to sit down and talk and and like talk about things, um, you know, that that requires effort to engage with people and to talk about what's going on, and what's worth talking about. And it's really easy for conversation to just be like. You know how was your day? Okay, your day was yeah. Okay, whatever. Are you applying the Bible to that? Are you are you talking about other stuff like like dads? You have a treasury of knowledge in your mind of stuff your kids haven't even thought about. Yeah, and like like the dinner table is a great place to like start to unpack that, right? And so also playing with your kids, you 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 play with them and you're able to unpack it. You just take stuff you know about and explain it in a way that's fun, like applied to play, or you at the dinner table talking about stuff that people want to know about. And so that knowledge that you have, where you can give it. It's a teaching opportunity. And then family worship. And family worship is the same thing as private worship. You pray, you read the Bible, talk about the Bible, and then you sing a psalm. And I want to encourage every man to bless his family. Like, raise your hands up. First, you're going to stutter through the ironic blessing, or you're going to take some apostolic blessing like grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Raise your hands up over your family. Bless them. Right, and so that that right there, that those are the main things. And I get some time in the evening to hang out with my wife, talk about stuff, and uh, that's it. Like that's that's what most of the time is, and and that's it's hard to find time.
0: You know, and and this goes back, and so this is going to segue into applying um, ourselves to the problems that are there, but in talking about chaos, how do we get our uh, our foot in the door, our camel's nose under the tent? Because it seems like Christianity has been pushed so far back that we don't know how to engage, but I just got to highlight this part of what you just said is the fact that you are growing and maturing and developing other humans yeah. in multiple different areas. And you're not letting the news and the media be a form of, um, of uh, what do they call it? excitement porn or some sort of yeah. uh, uh Uh, rage porn, like, oh, he's upset, rage, 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 rage. And it gets you off of the, the focus of what you need to be doing. You're a man, you're supposed to have a wife, you're supposed to mature and develop your kids and you have an estate that you're supposed to look after so that you can bless other people. And so much of our focus has been, if we can just get another person elected, if we can just get this, then this will domino effect there. And it's like, what does it look like when you can pour yourself into the f- seven, you know, people, se- six people around you, nine people around you, and then if you have a company, right, and you're pour and you're being a faithful, godly man there, and you're creating other opportunities so that these people can pour themselves into their families, now all of a sudden you have a cascading effect that over thirty or forty years does everything that the seculars try to do without having kids and taking yours. <laughs> right? right and 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 so we've the secular idea has changed the way they're playing the game has moved us off the idea of how politics and culture really operates and works right that, that and so you're so right we're so distracted by i got so many apps on my phone part of it's my job but i got so many apps on my phone telling me news and stuff that's going on right it i aggregate it all to me now, praise God, it hasn't controlled my time. I keep it here so that when I can go look at it when I need to. But the goal is to get you off the center, get you off point, so that you're focusing as much on the politics as you are in your family. It's like, no, I switch that around. Right. <laughs> right. And so, so how do you, what is the move? Let's say you're being a faithful, godly man, you're in the middle of this chaos, you want to see order. We have pockets of order in in certain places, but it's not permeate. What do you do? How do you what's What's the next move to take some ground, especially and and think about it in like this too, Dave, I don't want you to think just big picture. I want you to think 2024, like I I would love for some, like for revival to break out in this year and something, you know, I I would love to see that. What does that look like? Okay. So that looks like individuals
1: getting the clutter out of their own lives. Mm. And here's how you get the clutter out. The law of God teaches you everything you need to know that you should spend time on. Mm. If you can't prove that something's a good work, get rid of it. It's sin. Now, if it's a good work, prioritize it. Is this the best good work? Okay, one of the one of the Puritan doctrines is the idea of the best and highest use. Okay, so the idea that you there are there are so many good works you can do. What's the best good work for you to do right now. And so the best good work to do for you right now is the best and highest use of your time. So redeeming the time is taking the time from being bad works, evil, idleness, whatever, and waste, and converting it into now we're doing something useful, redeeming the time, we're doing a good work. Now, if you can do good work, just think about this as like a job, right? If you're like somebody gives you a job offer and says, "Yeah, you can work here for fifteen dollars an hour," the other guy says, "I will hire you for five hundred dollars an hour," and you go, "What? Are, what are the what are the two <laughs> what are the two jobs?" And one guy's like, "Well, you're gonna have to work hard and you blah blah blah. You'll know, show up on time and blah blah blah. And you got fifteen hour, you know, fifteen dollars an hour." And the guy says, "Okay, basically the exact same thing, right? And it's just both work are, are relatively the same. They feel about as hard. They're you know they're just they're hard days work. They're they're both kind of the same." And one pays you $15 an hour. The other one pays you $500 an hour. You go, you got to be insane to take a $15 an hour job. Okay, We do that all the time. Mm. We take good works that are $15 an hour good works. And we turn down $500 an hour good works. And what we need to do is be taking the best works. Okay. So you can, as a Christian, you can be, you know, relatively fruitless and useless, which is frankly what I think most Christian people in the United States of America are. Mm. or, and you hide your talents in the ground, or you can be a 30, 60, or 100-fold kind of Christian. Now, 30-fold's way better than like being useless. 60-fold's better than being 30-fold. But let me tell you what, I want to be 100-fold. I don't want to be 30, I don't want to be 60, I don't want to be fruitless. I want to be 100-fold. And so I want to encourage every man to go, how can I be a 100-fold kind of man? Okay, so that then, you know, if you think about You put one seed in the ground and it produces a hundred seed. And then you could take those hundred and they turn into a hundred. The multiplication table is pretty, it's pretty big, pretty fast. The the compounding rate is pretty good. Um, So that being the case, if we think about that, my goal is to get people to see we need the highest work. Everybody spends all their time going, well, is that really sin? I mean, can't I do it? I mean, couldn't I technically find a way? Shut up. Like, Like find something good to do and then find something better to do. Like, the struggle is to, like, I grind through the day doing stuff. And I love work. I love the work I'm doing. I love the you know the people I deal with and all that. And I'm always like, I need to be doing better. I need to be making this more fruitful, more useful. I'm going to die soon, right? right. The, the idea that, you know, okay, fine. I've got eight hours that I'm using for sleep and getting ready, okay? So I've got 16 hours besides that. And it's hard to make stuff happen in that 16 hours, Yeah. you know? And so that idea that it's difficult to make things happen um, is something that we need to get through our thick skulls. And so we need to pick the best stuff to do. So the law of God teaches you what's worth doing, and the best stuff is what we should be spending our time on. And so I want to encourage men to get the clutter out, and I want to encourage them not only to get the clutter out, but to then start picking how do you focus on the best stuff, the best returns, the highest rate of return stuff to do. And so that requires acknowledging that you are made in the image of God, which means you're rational, that you have knowledge, holiness, and righteousness that you're supposed to be increasingly being transported after the image of God with, the image of Christ. And that means wisdom is the principal thing. You want to pick the best stuff, you got to get wise. It goes back to what we were talking about before. You need to study those things, those basic things, like the solos, tulip, incarnation, trinity, covenant theology. You don't have those down. You you don't know what that means. Like, study it. Figure it out. Get a shorter catechism. Like, questions 1 through 38, real short. There's
0: very little. Real short, study it. How how, how is that dealing with the chaos in culture and society? It forms your mind
1: to be Christ-like. Mm. Like Christ, Christ, blew through the chaos. Like like Christ is surrounded by chaos. You read the Gospels, and the mm. Lord Jesus Christ is surrounded by this insanity. This like this people that are demon possessed, and he. He shuts the demons down, Like right? There's storms around, and he shuts it down, right? There's, there's people opposing him. He cuts right through their garbage. And so mm. Lord Jesus Christ was a master dominion man who, who dealt with stuff. He thought clearly. He got to the heart of matters. When he talks to people, okay, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you read the conversations Jesus has with people, if most people are being honest, when they read him, they have no idea why Jesus is saying what he says.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like
1: it, he he sounds like it's like what? What are you? What are you talking about? Like you just change the subject or you ignore what the other person says. Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is addressing stuff on a deeper level than you understand.
0: Mm-hmm. And when
1: you study what he says, like the way he cuts through the junk, right? There's the story of you know the there's the it, Gordian knot, right? We've, this, you know this big tangle of of rope, and you know the, the, the legend in Greece was you know the man who you know who untangles the knot, who unties the knot, uh, will be king of all Greece. And so you know people are trying to pick at it and get this thing apart and all that. Alexander captures the city, and Alexander the Great. What does he do? He looks at it and he takes his sword out and he cuts the knot. Right. That's what Jesus does just all the time. He's just walking up the Gordian knots and cutting it, mm. and and so he just untangles everything real fast, super efficiently, and so. When your mind is Christ-shaped, right, when your mind is renewed after the image of Christ by studying the solos, tulip, incarnation, trinity, and covenant theology of the basics of the faith down, then the way you view the world is different. And so until you understand who God is, you, you don't know what anything else is. That's right. um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. He who glories, let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me as God, not me, not David Reese. And so that that right there. Right. That's that's the thing. And so and then from there, well, how then shall we live? Right. And so the law of God, you meditate on that and, and, and that that right there. That's the thing. That's for self-government. That's the renewing of the mind, that you meditate on the law of God day and night, and fruit comes out your fingertips, and good words come out your mouth, right? And so you need the gospel, and you need the law. And so the meditation on those things is going to transform you, and you won't be able to help. You won't be able to help it. You will just start producing fruit, right? If the Lord Jesus Christ renews your mind with the power of the Holy Spirit through his word, you won't be able to help it. You'll just start doing good works. And so that's what I want, is for people to give their time and attention to that. Now, besides being renewed after the image of God, we have dominion authority and we're prophet-priest kings. And that's what we're called to do, is to do that work of a prophet teaching wisdom, being a priest, being focused on holiness and relationship and with God and sacrificial service and interceding for people. And we're supposed to be kings. We're supposed to provide and protect. We get stuff done. And then from there... You have gifts, you have talents, you have skills, you have stuff you own and relationships that you've got that you're supposed to deploy to the honor of God. You got fools you're friends with? Stop it. Stop wasting your time. Stop being friends with them. Okay. You can love them, but they're your enemies. Don't pretend they're your friends. Mm -hmm. You can love them. You're supposed to love your enemies, but they're your enemies. Don't pretend they're your friends. Okay. Friends have a mutual commitment to the good. So, you need to spend your time with the wise because the companion of the wise becomes wise and the companion of the fool becomes corrupt, becomes a fool. And so that's 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 the basic self-government stuff. Get the clutter out, focus on that, get the clutter out. And so when you do that, you can then govern your house well. And when, when you're governing your house well, right, you first of all, if you don't have a wife and you're you're not, you know, you're not, you don't have a powerful calling to go do something and you're super well ordered, right? You're like, sexual sin, nope. Not a problem. I'm I'm good. Why? Because I'm a eunuch. Oh, oh or or you have so much self control that this thing is not a problem for you. Okay. So if that's not it, if that if that's not where you are, if you're not a eunuch and you don't have so much self control, this is not a problem for you. Then you need to govern yourself so well that a woman wants to say, "I want that man to be my head." And so you get a wife, and when you are. You have a wife. you got to help me. You work together. You're master of the home. She's mistress of the home. You are husband. She is wife. And you are father. She is mother. And you are building up resources so that you can have servants, so you can get stuff done because there's too little time in the day. You need to buy other people's time and have them get stuff done. And so then... That idea of having children, so there's more, and you teach them, you train them up, you disciple them in detail. You know, we're called to teach people everything Christ has commanded us. There's not that many people in your life you are going to have the chance to teach everything Christ commanded you. Your children and your wife are people you get to do that with. And so there's a more powerful ability to disciple children than anybody else. And so those things... Doing that, having that in good order, making it so everybody is functioning together well, including the children, to get stuff done and to work together. The children are taking chores off your plate, off your wife's plate, so you guys can do more together, <clears throat> right? So this is, this is basic rule. This is the basic stuff. We spent a lot of time talking about this early on, but this is where you need to focus and you get rid of the clutter and you talk to the family. And I'm not trying to pretend like this is like super easy for me either. There's all sorts of stuff. And you know what one of the big distractions for people who are productive is? It's other people who want to be discipled by them. Mm. And and, and so as opposed to focusing on the family, you can throw all of your resources and time at other people, and then you don't give all the stuff that you owe to your family. And so that's, again, the highest good, right? you you got to pick the most valuable thing. And the most valuable thing is the order of priorities that God gives to you. Your wife, your children, your servants. Fellow church members.
0: That's really good. I know you got a list of stuff over there, so I'm going to let you look at your list real quick because I want to say this. Um, there, too often – there's a couple things, man, I just want to say. It was so good. Oh, it was so good. Um, do you have a list of stuff over there? Oh, I right do. Now? Oh, how far are you in your? You haven't even touched probably the first paragraph. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you haven't man. even touched the subject that I planned to talk about. Oh, what what do you have on what do you have on your We're list? We're talking about going from. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean, a little bit, a little bit about the individual household. I went on a way longer discussion of that than well, this was supposed to be. Yeah, sorry. Well, it, part
0: of part of part of this is really interesting, to me because the, the everyone is concerned about numbers. Everyone. Everyone's concerned about numbers, especially in the political realm, right? And we're like, oh, man, we don't have the numbers. We don't have the numbers. And But we don't understand just how much power we have in just doing the things that you're talking about. The, we think our it's mind is set up to believe that our nation runs off of one government, and that right. is the error. That is the error that we not we have not worked out of our head. Our nation does not function off of one government, which is why it's collapsing. Our nation functions off of multiple governments, and the health of those governments make a great nation. And if you don't have a family, and that government structure there is not intact, you don't have good people in the society. Right. Right. And, And everything you just said was like, we need men built up well to govern. Because the the government, the civil, the nation itself, the civil magistrate is not producing people to be in those roles. It's not their job. The family does that. And so we're only going to have the ethical type of system that we want based off of the people that we create in our homes. And so – Anyway, there's so much, and so it's just, there's a huge mind shift that needs to happen between how we think about politics, how we think about, because everybody's, okay, so now if I go vote on this day, or 2024 is coming up, it's like, you've given more time to thinking about the election this year and voting than you have to building up your son or your daughter. Right? What what do they need to be God-fearing people so that I don't drop the ball in this thousand generations of faithfulness the Lord has given, right? Yes
1: there's so the book of proverbs is a god-given manual that has this order of development process okay chapters 1 through 9 is like for the child becoming a young man right and it's it's all about like hey here's how you interpret the world and like avoid the harlot and and you need to like avoid the gang and you need your your affections to be for your godly parents and to work with us and to build the estate my boot was Sharon <laughs> my wife was just amen in us that's all absolutely and and, and so <laughs> That right there, this idea that you have—you have this 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 manual that's given to us in the Book of Proverbs. So chapters one through nine is for the young man, and then you get to chapters ten through about the middle of twenty-two, and it's the second section of the book, and it's called the Proverbs of Solomon. You see at the very beginning of chapter ten, it's going to tell you that that section is there, and it's for the man who's starting out and he's doing his own thing. He's like you're going into building your own house, whatever. There's this little summary section called the Thirty Sayings of the Wise in chapter twenty-two. And that's section three. And it's kind of summing up all the stuff that came before in these really collapsed proverbs that, that gives you the big points. And then there's this little section right afterwards called further sayings of the wise. And it gives you these little points that are about like, okay, and now you're starting to think about governing and going into leadership more broadly. And then you get into this, this chunk, 25 through 29, that is the middle management section. It's the ones that Hezekiah's men pulled together. And so that's their middle management. Okay. You want to know. Once you get into leadership but you're not the king. Okay, you're 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 serving somebody. Maybe you're an executive at a company or a manager, you know, maybe you're you're one officer like a deacon or something at a church, but you're not necessarily the moderator of the session or something like that. This is the stuff that is instructing you how do you govern well there? And there's this is interesting section in in 27, chapter 27, and it's this like little 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 poem to capitalism. And it talks about how it's your job to manage your estate. So the end of chapter 27, this little section, and it's it's talking about, hey, you're 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 in the king's court, you're one of the you're one of the courtiers, right? You're one of the, the ministers of state, you're one of the the leaders in the land, and you need to manage your real estate, you need to manage your property, you need to manage your flocks, you need to do well. And so then you, you get out of this 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 middle management section, and, and you've got chapter 30, which is this interesting thing. It starts out with sort of this like. This, this idea that I am, I am too stupid to be a man it is kind of where it starts out at the beginning of that section. It's this idea of like once you've got power, you're just looking around and you have the Ecclesiastes moment, right? And you go, what is lacking cannot be numbered. And what is crooked cannot be made straight. And you're just like, this is too much. I don't know how to deal with it all. This is awful of weariness. And like, what do I even do here? Sex. And so then it's this calling back to the recognition of God there, right? Because once you get the power, everybody fights for the power. They fight for getting into authority. You want all the things. And once you've got it, you're just like, I don't even know, man. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this seems like awful. And so the, the weight of the crown. And you get to chapter 31, and it's like, hey, don't, don't drown out your sorrows by getting drunk. You're gonna forget justice and you're gonna oppress the poor. Mm. Don't do that, right? That's you remember you you fought to get here so you could help the poor. Don't give it up now by getting drunk and forgetting the law and oppressing the poor. Mm. And so then we're told about the woman of valor, and that's the queen. But you want a queen, and and she helps you to manage the estate. So much of what she's doing is managing the household well and helping you to do it well so that you can govern the gates. Okay you don't have that. You don't have the wisdom to be able to rule. Like, you can get into power, right? You work real hard. to get into power. You don't have any wisdom. You don't have a godly wife. You don't have godly children. Like, what are you doing? You just wasted your life. And it was weariness and groaning. And what did you do it for? And so, yes, there's an order of operation. And the order of operation teaches us how to be productive at it, how to make it lasting, how to make it joyful. and And so that idea that there's an order of operation is what's so important. So our goal is to make a zone where you, you go, okay, I'm going to push everything out. I'm going to have this productive zone where I'm going to focus on the, the things of God. And then your household, you're doing the same thing. And then in the church, the church is helping to do that for households and trying to help to focus in. And people who are employers are trying to do that with their servants and help them to focus on useful stuff. And in the state, we want to clear out the junk so that righteousness can be focused on, right? That order of operation with those institutions. So that's the short version of what I wanted to talk about. That's my... You know, flyover oh.
0: version of today. So where's the details there? There's so some. What, what, what did you like on your list? What did you like? Oh, I really wanted to hit this. I know you always have one thing like, okay, jump up and down this point, circle, exclamation point. Is there anything that you have on your list? Yeah. Like, so there, there are four things that I want to do. I don't even oh, know. Man. I don't know, how, know how, we, how are we in time? I don't even know what we're doing with our uh, lives. You, you know what? We got, I mean, I got time. Uh, You got 30 minutes. I'll okay. give you 15. You know, if you have lists, let's just make this the rule. Okay. First and foremost, we talked about this last time. If you have lists, Dave, these are always the most exciting part of the conversation. List, we love lists. You know, all the Reformed Baptists love lists. Baptists love lists, man. And most people who are listening are Baptists. We need to give them lists. Lists okay. always come first at the top of the, the t- top of the list is lists.
1: My Baptist <laughs> friends, <laughs> here are four things that you need to go from chaos to order. <laughs> There's no alliteration though, I'm sorry. They also don't rhyme.
0: Oh man, everybody's here now. They're like, "This is what I came for."
1: There's also no acronym. I'm really sorry about this. This is <laughs> I'm, this is a failure on my part. No alliteration, no rhyming, no acronym. This is what are we even doing here? This is okay, but there's four <laughs> things. All right. So, look, the individual, what's the principal thing? Like what's the what's the thing the individual chases after? We talked about this already. Right? Yeah. It's wisdom. Get wisdom. Okay? Yeah. So you get your mind in order. And then you want to apply that wisdom. Okay. So the conscience causes you pain. Once you get wisdom, the conscience causes you pain when you don't apply it. And Mm -hmm. your goal by getting wisdom is to make your stupidity so painful
0: that Mm. you can't
1: stand doing it anymore. So people are like, oh, what's the value of loading your head with all this knowledge if you're not going to do anything? I'll tell you what. If you get the right knowledge, if you get the knowledge of God, it's going to make you do stuff. I'm not saying Say it again. You get so much wisdom that it makes it painful. Say that again. Yeah. When you get wisdom, as the amount of wisdom increases, when you do stupid stuff, it hurts more. Mm. Like, I know better than that. What am I doing? Like, you go, the law of God says, don't do this. The law of God says, if I do this thing, it's going to result in this awful curse. Right. And then you do it. And then you get this awful curse, and things are awful. And you're like, why did I do this? Right. The wisdom helps you. To see faster that the Turkish delight is not worth it. (laughs) So so it makes it ash in your mouth. Yeah. And so that you want to make it so that the pleasures of sin, the passing pleasures of sin, are less enjoyable. And wisdom does that for you. Mm. So that's the thing. So daily private worship is the way you do that. Okay. And and was that what's that? Was that one? That's number 1. So number 1, the individual needs to get wisdom because it's going to make the the conscience, which is the negative actor for the individual that makes it hurt is more powerful. It increases and the power of the spanking of your conscience.
0: And the way you get wisdom is through daily private worship. Yes,
1: yeah, so you study the word of God, you meditate on it, and then as you're walking around, you're trying to chew on it, right? So it's a, it's not just it's not just you read it and then you forget about it. You read it, you want to store it up in your heart, you want to remember it, you want to put it in organized clusters and stuff like that. You study the same thing, you memorize it so you can so you can then pull it back up into your consciousness. And as you go about your business, you're meditating on it, you're thinking about it, you're trying to apply it. So Ten Commandments are fantastic to memorize. So you can think about how does which commandment does this duty apply to? Like as you're going through the day, the Ten Commandments provide you a lens through which to interpret all action. That's right. How my loving twisted. God, how my loving neighbor. Yep. And it makes so you can do it all day. And you need the gospel because, I'll tell you what, if you think about the law a lot, you're going to be like, wow, I'm a loser. Yeah, right. The more you think about the law, you're going to be like, I'm a guilty loser. I, I deserve to go to hell so bad, just so bad. And you do. You're right. Yeah. And so you need the gospel because you need to deal with that guilt, and the glory of God will be more manifest in your mind as you think about how grateful you are for the fact that he has saved you by his grace. Mm. So that's the first one. Get wisdom. It, it will empower the rest of it. The wise man, you know, he lives by the fruit of his lips. His actions are useful. He's helpful to other people. Like wisdom is necessary. If you don't have wisdom, you don't know what's good. And if you don't know what's good, you don't know what's good for you, and you don't know what's good for other people. And you can try to love other people and help them. And I'll tell you what: you can do things trying to help people that hurts them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, you' so, right. There's no anchor either, right? You have no anchor. You can be tossed. Like when you know something is good for somebody, you will do it to their own hurt, right? Like, no, this is good for you.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's that's so, how you can that's how you can spank somebody is yeah. you go, this is gonna be good for you. Yep, yeah, that's right. That's right. All, right. All right. So household. We get to the household, and with the household, you got the rod, right? And and with the rod, what's the rod for? It's the negative thing to help to make sure people are giving proper hour compliance. So what the household is focused on is dominion increasing. Okay, there's there's wisdom of the individuals in the house. This is number and, two, right? Right. And, and there is the increase of wealth there, okay? So, so the household is focused on dominion. It's focused on getting stuff done. It's focused on building up wealth and wisdom in the house. So the household, your relationship with your wife and with your children is about learning to work together to get stuff done, okay? Our culture has made it so that the household is a place for play, mm. okay? Play is a part of what you do in the household, the enjoying of blessings from God. It's not all you do there. And when that's all you do in the household, the household becomes a frivolous place. Okay? Now, Christians, the church will often emphasize, you know, hey, you need to have family religion, you need to have some piety. The best churches, the best churches that I know of might teach you to do private worship and family worship. And so family worship is absolutely necessary to give wisdom to your family. Thanks, but how many people are going to talk about the need to actually work together? Right, so you need to work, play, and worship together. That's right.
0: That's right. Richard,
1: Richard Phillips has a good book called uh, *Masculine Mandate*, and he talks about those three things in that book. There, that just idea of the the working together, the worshiping together, and the playing together. And so, I think that's that's a that's a good. Thing to remember: If you're you a father and you're going, what do I do with my kids? Could okay, you play with them? Great. Okay, are you worshiping with them? Great. Are you doing any work with them? Have you found a way to spend any time, so the older my kids get, the more I transition my time with them to work, and I try to make sure we still have time to do enjoyment of, of blessings, uh, but you know, play to a larger extent is just practice work, right? So you're teaching kids to shoot bad guys, right? That's that's work. That's pretend work. It's practice work, and and so that kind of thing. So so this this working together. If you're not working together, then your work is going to move outside the house, and rather than your work being for the house, you're going to be for work, and the house becomes like another thing you got to do. Mm. And and the household is either going to be the place where you go. This is where I get my entertainment. And this is where I relax, or it's going to be you know, this this thing that's optional. So, or it's this thing that's a grind. So. Yep. You want your children to be a part of who's helping you to carry the weight. And you want your wife, who is your helper, she's your helpmate, to be a part of that. So this, she's your queen, you're ruling together. And so when you have that proper perspective, I just had, um, you know, I have, for example, a couple of people who've been, you know, good, loyal, hardworking employees. They just informed me that they're, you know, going to go build their own estate. So they gave me a lot of notice and they're going to, you know, to go do some stuff. And I'm just like, that's awesome. I'm so happy for them that they are going to leave working for me and they're going to go build up their own stuff. And so they're, they're trying to bless me by giving me like significant notice and helping to deal with some stuff. And they are going to go start stuff. And that's awesome. Like, I love that. And that if you have that mindset that you're trying to build your own home up, right, Then then what you're doing is, you know, that you have a job and that job may be the place where you should work for the long term. Or it might be the case that it's some place where you're working and you try to be a faithful steward until you can go start your own business or do your own thing. And so, but you're not going to be able to decide that well unless you know, hey, my work is so that I can have dominion for my household and I can pass it on as a heritage. And so wealth and wisdom, we need to have dominion over our souls where we're subduing sin with wisdom. And we need to have dominion over the external physical world with building up wealth and having resources. And so the household is focused on that. So for yourself, you get wisdom, and you're realizing that you have that wisdom to exercise the authority that God has given you as a prophet, priest, king, so that you can then use the gifts, talents, resources, relationships you've got to try to be a good governor for a household or to be a good part of a household. Then in a household, and wisdom's a principal thing for the individual, the household is working together to exercise the division of labor on a basic level and then the household is increasing dominion and there's this focus on the development of the physical realm and the physical world and it's a little culture. It's your household. If your household is not in good order, what makes you think you're going to make it so that you can like build up the culture to be a great Christian culture? Right, right. So wisdom, dominion. Wisdom for the individual, dominion for the house. Mm. The third, we get to the church. The church needs to be pursuing and this is gonna surprise you, I think. Uh oh. Is unity. it unity? So are you expecting me to pick as the one point for the church? Unity? Yeah, actually
0: I did. Yeah, okay, all right. I'm not as big of a I was no, hoping... we... I'm a predictable fellow. Well, I've been around you and I know that's one of the things you've been striving for privately as much as possible. So I, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that 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 manifests itself internally in believers agreeing about the truth about yeah. how to worship God and how to see government occur in the church. And all that's based upon Scripture alone. And that externally manifests itself with what's called shared forms, right? So, so the covenanted uniformity is how you do that. You covenant together to maintain the external forms that you sh- use in unity. So a confessional document is a form for doctrine. A, a f- directory of worship is a form for the worship. Um, And then a form of government, a constitution, is the form for government.
0: So are you – do I hear you saying there needs to be a lot more fighting inside of Christendom?
1: Yes, that is exactly (laughs) what I am saying because the way you get unity is by arguing with
0: each other. I was going to say like that's ultimately what you – but everybody – that gets exasperating. Sure, And, and so that's why you have to not only be a prophet calling people
1: to believe the truth, but you have to be a priest who can apply balm. Right, mm. so so if you and I are arguing about something, right, and then all of a sudden something happens, it's hard for you. Someone in your family is suffering or whatever. Okay, in that moment, what's the right thing for me? I go, brother, how can I carry burdens for you? How can I bless you? Can we bring you a meal? What can we do right now? Like, like can I come with you to the hospital? Right, so so that there is the priestly function to 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 build the relationship, to apply balm, to to do those things. But what the liberals do is they emphasize that. And then they do not emphasize the prophetic. Yeah. And, and yeah. And what we need to realize is that the priestly is for the truth. Mm-hmm. The priestly is to beautify the truth. Right. And, and so we, we we need to take the truth and argue for the truth. And then we need to make it beautiful. And we need to make it pleasant. And so we we speak the truth at the right time right? Proverbs says, you can come and, you know, bless your neighbor in the morning, early in the morning, and he'll, you know, be mad at you. You know, also, somebody has a heavy heart, and you rejoice, they'll be mad at you, right? And so, you know, words, right words fitly spoken are apples of gold in a setting of silver. And so, we need to be prophets who speak the truth, and we do not lie, and we need to be priests who can make that beautiful, right? And so, that's, you have this incredible talent where you are able to take messages that are powerful and important and to put them in a beautiful presentation. Mm. And so that's this powerful priestly gift gifting that the Lord has given to you. And so you, you showed me a bunch of cool stuff that you have made uh, that you've been hiding from me. Like you have like all these awesome videos that you've made. I mean, am I, I kind of like, I mean, could we, even about that? We're, no, we're not talking like, about that. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so he's made awesome stuff. Okay. And nobody, anyway, so he's made awesome stuff and you watch this stuff. And you're like, this is, there's all sorts of awesome truth here. It's beautifully displayed and it's powerful and it draws in interest and all that kind of stuff. So that's an example of that. And that can occur in the family that can occur in making movies that can occur in making a show that can, you know, whatever. Right. So the, there's that piece. So we need to make it beautiful, but the truth is the principal thing. It's the thing that saves. It's the thing that sanctifies. It's the thing that reforms and, and powerfully causes those things. So the beauty is for that truth and then the effective action the kingliness right is to make
0: it so that we have truth and it's beautiful and we get stuff done with it so so what you're arguing is like and this is a really good point i hope i'm hearing this right our arguments are too puny we are not making great arguments either with truth or with creativity to win our brothers because i think the thing that makes part of the fight petty is that it's like this Yes. Right? It's, it's a, it's a whole bunch yes. of hands spent instead of like a boxing match with a heavyweight round. It's like, Oh, that was a good punch. You know, it's, if they yeah. got up there with their boxing gloves and just tapped the whole time, we would hate it. Right. Yeah. But if, if and so, but it, it, you're right. So you're making a point. Let's look, let, we can win arguments, but by explaining the truth beautifully and let that be a great way of engaging with each other. Yeah. That's a good point. Most of the time, you know what? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Well taken. Thank you, and,
1: and, and in the church, right, you have the breaking of bread in terms of the Lord's Supper. Right. And that there's a recovenanting to pursue each other's good and to pursue unity. And, and also there's the breaking of bread in the household with hospitality. And if you exercise Ugh. dominion, it gives you resources to do that. Right. So I think I, I can't remember where it is in Kings where you and also it's in Chronicles with the with the Queen of Sheba and, and Solomon handling. But those two texts, they lay out this like excellent hospitality thing. Right. So th- those are their exemplars of beauty. But so. You have resources so you can beautifully give hospitality. And if you give hospitality and t- seek the disciple there, it's this mixture of here's good things I'm giving to you. And here are words and we're discussing and the care becomes more obvious. And so that idea, the priestly, the mm. relational, the, the giving of hospitality, the habit, the sharing together and the worship of God properly, these are the priestly elements that bind us and pull us together. So that, oh, that work, legit. And then we work together to get stuff done in the world. and. That effectiveness is powerful when we have unity. If two are not agreed, they can't walk together. If you don't have agreement on the goal, you don't have agreement on the means, you can't accomplish stuff together. So we need to be arguing about it. And I, I spend a lot of my time arguing with people about it is that we should even argue. I know, I know. It's very frustrating.
0: Can I ask you a question? This is kind of in the topic, but not really. Uh, how do you, what do you do? Right now, you've seen a lot of ministries guarding their space. There is a huge space guarding process going on right now that is and, – and and it's not just one group. It's everybody. Everybody's doing it one way or another where they're willing to shoot out kind of um, – Kevin DeYoung did it here – he shot out and said, hey, I'm not going to talk about this anymore, but I definitely want to poo-poo on this. But everybody's kind of done that. I saw uh, the people taking shots at Christian nationalism, but didn't want to talk to anybody on the Christian nationalist side. Right. They did the exact same thing with that Kevin DeYoung did, which is like, I'm gonna poo-poo on you and I'm not gonna really engage you in a conversation or a topic. And 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 there, there's these groups of bases and within the churches and their uh, ministries where they're gathering and keeping out. There's this kind of gather, keep out, and yeah, no, they're not with how do you work what's your take on some of that stuff and, and how do you work through that? Because if we're gonna have unity, it seems like that the parachurch ministries are kind of become um uh, another form of church club, right? It's like the which yes, club? Is, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So you got like healthy growth of the body, and you got parachurch.
0: A <laughs> hey, facts. Well, I don't. I, yeah. Well, no. And I don't think that. I think when you have a healthy growth of the church, you don't have as many parachurch. I, well, I think I that's just, true. And, yeah. and so this is look. This is this is this is Baptist's fault. Oh.
1: Okay. Here's what here Baptist oh. is why this is your fault. Because you don't believe in Presbyteries.
0: Yeah, they do. That's not true. Well, yeah, they believe in the parachurch. As soon, no, no. As soon as something goes wrong, you don't think they believe in Presbyteries? Watch what they did, what they did to uh what's his name? Uh that was out here in Washington, uh, or or Portland. Um oh, I forgot his name. That's horrible. God didn't want me to say it. God got me. But whenever there's something that goes wrong and they don't like it, it's amazing how fast a presbytery develops. They will develop a Presbytery real quick. <laughs> so I'm just saying they believe in them. They just don't act like they they don't claim to believe in them. So yeah. So,
1: the, I mean right, that's so, what
0: the that's why the 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 SBC is a, a form of presbytery. It's a bad one, yeah. but it's one. You know. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't no, that's absolutely right. I mean,
1: right. I mean, eleven billion dollars is a
0: lot of money. You know, I that's, mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful central agency. Well, but this is what they don't understand. Presbyteries are inescapable, right? Like. <laughs> you're either going to do it well or you're
1: going to do it poorly. (laughs) It's funny because you go like, it's like, well, you know, what's a presbytery do? It's like, well, it's going to, you know, oversee the doctrine and it's going to like examine like the worship that we have. And, you know, it's going to deal with matters of appeal when there's a problem outside of the local church. And, and, you know, there's going to be some degree to which it has to kick churches out or individuals out. And it's just like the SBC seems to kind of do all of those things. It seems like that's a presbytery. And then also it has all these agencies and stuff that, you know, are, not supposed to be there. But those are those are yeah, it's more centralized and more more powerful than what I would want a Presbytery to be.
0: So um so is your answer to the question then burn all the parachurch ministries down? Well people look look if you're in the
1: SBC right now and you're a Calvinist and you're a patriarchist, repent. Get out. <laughs> Just go go out and and then you become Presbyterian. And give me a call, and let's. That wasn't my question.
0: Years. That was not my question. The second thing is the second this thing is this is how you start now twenty twenty four. Bow. Where's my flamethrower? Take that, Doug Wilson. <laughs> 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 this is not no quarter
1: January. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is not this is not your agenda. This is mine. You can yeah, all be for this. Oh this no, oh yeah, that's great. So, so you should get out. Like, don't waste your time. Like, what are you doing? Don't give money. Don't give, don't give support for it. Like, like just go do, go do something with people who actually believe in the reformed faith and, and work together with people who in the reformed faith and, and, and work to build something that's worth building it where you can be a city on a hill and draw people into that Mm. and then actually disciple people to, to have right doctrine, right worship, right government. And let's work on that. Like you want to, like you're a pastor and you're trying to figure this out, like go on Twitter, X, whatever it is, send me a DM. Like let's let's talk. Let's talk about it. I'm trying to find pastors that actually want to talk about doctrine, want to talk about civil covenanting. Let's talk. Let's work together. Let's do something. Like let's argue until we die or until we have formed up something where we can actually get stuff done. You know, so, you know the church a, is oh. how you get stuff done. That's yeah, how the world a, hears you.
0: Our our forefathers have handed us down their fights for generations, and we have been better off because of it. Our doctrine has been refined years over years over years because people fought and died fighting, and we were able to see the arguments. And so we've come to better doctrine because of those fights. And so I always think about, like, what fights are we going to be handing down where it's like, oh, clarity is here now? And it's like, meh. You know, (laughs) we don't – because. The only things we fight over now is territory and who's giving us $13 a month in our ministries. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and so unity,
1: unity is viewed as like, can we all get together and pay the $13 a month or whatever? Right. Like, yeah. And, and, or, you know, and, and so unity is not that unity is agreement in the doctrine, worship and government. Unity is agreement in the doctrine, worship and government. And that's what you're supposed to test as a congregant. You test your church for doctrine, worship and government according to scripture alone. Okay. and And don't participate in sin. You hear another gospel being preached? Any of the stuff we talked about? Incarnation, Trinity, solars, yeah, Tulip, yeah. Covenant Theology. Do not participate in teaching that denies that stuff. Don't do it. And and you, you see the law being rejected, and people aren't willing to say the Ten Commandments are binding. Okay? Don't participate in that. That's lawlessness. And, that's right. That's and, and, right. And, 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 and if you see worship that you think is idolatrous, it's contrary to what God has commanded, or not what God has appointed, do not participate in that. Right. right, You can go to a church that doesn't do everything right and you can protest elements and you go through a process of orderly discussion. Okay. So I want to encourage people. If mm-hmm. there's some element of worship that your conscience is bothered by at your church, stop doing it. Stop participating in it. If there's a prayer that's a bad prayer. Don't say amen. Okay. And and you talk to people gradually over time being priestly. You try to be useful and kingly and you try to be a prophet bringing the truth in love and you can do that gradually. You can do it over years, right? It can take a long time, but but when there's a shutting down of it and there's no willingness to hear what the Word of God has to say and there's no further ability to discuss, then you're you're stuck with, am I wrong or not? And if you're not wrong, then you now have to deal with the fact that the Word of God has been shut down, and you either got to join another church or start one or move to
0: a place where there's one that's worth joining. I got it. This goes back, though, to your first point, and this is really, really important, you better get wisdom first. Yes. Yeah, I just want to make that very clear. You better get wisdom first. Cause a lot of times people run off and they think they got something they ain't got, and then they end up making a mess. And it's like, get some wisdom first. Get get understand those bases. Go back to the principles. What are the basic principles? Understand it. Solo scriptura, right? Like you need that the tulip. All that's the Trinity. You need to know that stuff so well that it's not even like you're looking for problems. When it's a red flag, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, yes. <laughs> right? That's a problem, right?" Um, because I think that there's a critical culture that's developed inside of Christendom where we look for, um, we become, uh, you know, um, some sort of warriors of of text that is, that we're not called to be, right? And, you know what I mean by the the, the kind of blog. Um, the discernment blogger types. I've seen yeah. that kind of run rampant inside of churches and just destroy them. And somebody could have made a case, but not that guy, because he don't know his scripture, <laughs> right. right? He doesn't have any wisdom on how to deal with it either. And so that's right. super important. And so you got uh, number four, we're at three. So let's go through the first three, which is get wisdom, right. daily, daily private worship, absorbing the scriptures, thinking about them, meditating on them, applying them, right? Yes. Um, The household dominion is taken through the household and so Mm -hmm. working and developing and doing family worship with your kids and then working with your kids and not and I don't think you said this but I know we've talked about this before and I've heard you say this teaching your kids to have fun is teaching them how to work well work is a form of enjoyment and fun and if we do this properly it won't be laborious and that's what I think too like when we talk about Working with our kids, um, raking the yard shouldn't be a chore. Uh, you know, cooking in the kitchen shouldn't be a. Ch- it, these things should be forms of taking dominion. That, like, look what we get to do, right? And you right. have to learn to teach your kids to do that. And and so you have to have an attitude towards it of like, woo! Look at all this glory. Mm-hmm. Look at all these dirty dishes. That's a lot of glory has been had, right? And so. There, there's just a whole different mentality that we got to have. Okay, so that's two, and then yeah, and, and absolutely. And so, so part of that, the dominion piece
1: there is you you are worshiping together, you're working together, and the play together, right? The, yes. the enjoyment of blessing. I, I prefer to use the la- the language of enjoying blessings. Right? You feast yeah. together. You go yeah. and do stuff. It's here's this glorious thing. Here's a piece of art we get to enjoy together. A movie, right? And we talk about it, and we we think about it with the word and all that. So this hospitality together, having people over, having having you know friends over from church. And having their kids come play and going, okay, hey, you're you're a host to them. You know, make this fun for them, right? Like what, that kind of stuff.
0: What, one of the things that um, I've tried to do with my kids is, where the work is, I always let them enjoy whatever it is. So, um, don't muzzle the ox as they're treading out the grain, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to know, like, you're working, you can have a taste. Yes. Go, you know, you're you you get a little more than everybody. It's okay. Go go grab that. Put your finger. Enjoy it. Taste that. And then the, and the, and it, and it's funny to watch. It's almost like fuel for them to do more. And there's they take pleasure in it. You know. And then they can't wait to go share that with somebody else. And everybody's person is looking and it's uh keeping up with the Joneses and sanctification. The the kids, other kids are looking like, how did you get such a large portion? I made it. I want to make it next time, right? <laughs> And it that's creates awesome. this lovely domino effect. All right, I'm, I'm, and so the, but the, that idea like enjoying the fruits of
1: labor. We all are like, oh, you pay employees, kids have to be, you know, people who do stuff and they don't get paid. It's like, no, reward your kids for doing. That's stuff. right. You get more of what you subsidize and you get less of what you penalize. Right. Like, that's right. Penalize
0: bad stuff. Reward good stuff. Like that's a basic part of it. Anyway, sorry. No, man, that's so good. Um, and then number three was church should be seeking after unity, which is learn how to fight well. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To win your brother. Right. We 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 fight well, we we argue for the truth
1: and we seek to beautify and be and be good to each other, to make things pleasant, to bless. And you recognize who a brother is like if somebody agrees with you about the solas, tulip, trinity, incarnation, and you know the covenant of works, covenant of grace, like they're a brother. Right. So you can disagree about lots of stuff and you can say, Hey, you're in sin you're wrong and, and, and all that. But you go, Hey, we're going to be careful here. We share the same gospel. That's right. And so, yeah. so you're careful about that while also talking about the disagreements. And you try to do that in an orderly way. And you, know, you, you deal with camels first rather than gnats, right? You deal with the big problems as opposed to the gnats. Sometimes a gnat comes up because you have to deal with it because you just stumble across it. But generally, your goal is to deal with the big
0: stuff first and then the small stuff. Well, and, and, and with gnats, don't try and kill a gnat with a baseball bat. <laughs> do that, that with nets <laughs> or nukes. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, just flatten that. Like seriously, we 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 put too much effort in getting rid of nets, right? Like we do. We make we make it like World War Three. You know, it's like don't do that.
1: Anyway, so that ability to plainly disagree, argue about that stuff, and try to deal with things, and so and then you're also careful to not misrepresent, right? And and. You show the implications of stuff, but you're careful Mm. to not draw out unnecessary implications. At the same time, you can argue with people a lot of times and they're totally unreasonable and they won't admit obvious and necessary inferences from what they're saying. And so that's exasperating on their part, right? But we have to be careful. And so that discernment blogger type a lot of times is just like you said this and it could mean this and that
0: means you're a papist, you know, and it's like, all right, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. But that's somebody who hasn't focused a lot of their attention on number one, which is getting wisdom. Yeah. Right. Wisdom doesn't let you make those type of errors. Well, if it does, if you make that mistake, you say, "Oh, I see where I messed up." It. No, you're right. My bad. Forgive me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so. You. You. This is why number one is so important. Getting wisdom is essential.
1: Right, and it will help you to make charitable interpretations, to overlook offenses, the nats. Yeah. Going to help you to then do conflict resolution properly and biblically. So then we go into the state. Right.
0: Ah, this is
1: where we. Go. I see what you're doing here. All right. Okay, Self. So- you but did yeah. all the governments. I see what you did here. So that, uh, so that, that, that whole thing, right? So you, you've got the key thing for the individual's wisdom. The key thing for the house is dominion. The key thing for the church is to pursue unity, and it's not a fake unity; it's a real unity where you agree about doctrine, worship, and government. And then, when we're dealing with the state, right? What we are trying to deal with is the state is focused upon the idea of clearing away the crime. It is clearing mm. away the idolatry. It is clearing away the junk that makes it so that the good things cannot grow. And so the state's job is to clear away this wickedness with the sword, right? So the sword is there to punish evil. And so the, the, the state comes along and the sword's function is the clearing away of this evil, the rot, the weeds, the cancer. It cuts away that dead growth that wicked growth it's removing that evil and so its purpose is a negative purpose to remove evil so the other things can grow and so that removal function is something where we we don't think about the state just as a remover of evil we often think about it as a provider of all sorts of services and whatever else and it is not and and so we need to have a clarity about that and to realize that the state's function with with the sword, the state's function is to punish evil to remove it. So that's a negative actor in that way. And so if we have wisdom, if we have dominion and resources in the household, if the church is unified, it's going to be able to powerfully speak into the world. And if the state is removing evil actors that are criminal in their behavior, then what you're going to have is you're removing the worst part. You're removing the worst stuff that sticks it up its head. And so... I want to remind everybody that, you know, generally speaking, 20% of causes create 80% of effects. And so, if the state is removing the most obvious, most re- repeated offenders who are committing evil acts, by removing a small portion of a group, you are able to remove many, most of the awful stuff. And so, the state's function to remove the worst and most obvious. And, and so what we find is people wanting the state to do a lot more, and what ends up happening is the state ends up doing badly the one job it's supposed to have, which is to exercise the sword to remove evildoers for the
0: suppression of wickedness. Well, and and you know what? If the state isn't functioning properly and removing that um, sin that bubbles to the top, they're also it's incurring curses on the nation. So yes. it's, it's not just that there's a, a, you know, and and I know you don't, I know you agree with me on this, but it's not just that there is a practical reality to the keeping down of wickedness. There's actually a spiritual one that manifests itself in blessing and curses. Right. When the, when the God in the Old Testament, one of the things that's important was that you didn't judge falsely or wrongly whether a man accidentally killed someone and you gave him the death penalty that he shouldn't have gotten after you realized it was an accident. There is a process for that or if somebody died and you didn't ju- uh, c- uh ex- or kill the guy because of he took blood then then you got a certain judgment guys like I'm not going to hold you um I'm going to I'm going to come for this I'm going to bring judgment down if you don't deal rightly with the innocent man and the guilty man <laughs> mm-hmm. right and so like w- even though like yes there is a practical reality to the you know um you, you look over at other countries we thought when we were going into Iraq that we, they we can bring them democracy and it's like no no they they need an iron fist and Saddam knew what he was doing uh <laughs> you know and we try to put democracy in it ain't worked so well you know um but so there is a there is a sin whatever you punish will begin to become less and less in your society right um right. but there's also like if you want the blessings of God, you want a government that is not gonna tolerate certain types of wickedness at all. Right. In any way, right? Um, and when it comes to life and death and blood, like that's that's one of the ones that get you in trouble real fast with the right. Lord. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: Right. So I think that key word there for the state is is crimes, punishing crimes. Right. Right. So you got wisdom for the house as the, for the individual is the focus. You got dominion for the house, you got unity for the church. And thinking about crimes, what the state's supposed to focus on, and so that is how you 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 deal with the growth of blessedness in the state is you remove idolatry or you remove blood guilt, you you remove the perversion from the land and you stop the land from rejecting the sabbaths. Right when you, when you look at what happened in Israel, and you look at the story of all the kings there, like they get booted out of the land because they wouldn't give the sabbaths. Yeah, they they there's this filling up of the land with violence. Yep. And and you also find the perverse persons get mentioned a lot. But you know the thing that gets talked about more than anything else with any kings? When you, you read these kings, and it's always the king was bad because he encouraged idolatry yep. or he failed to punish idolatry. And the good, kings, the good kings, what they do, the best kings, these are the A-plus kings, like Hezekiah and Josiah. The A-plus kings, they establish the true religion and right worship. They punish the worship of false gods, and they punish idolatry performed towards the true God. They take down the high places. And so, worshiping Yahweh in the high places was not allowed, and yet people did it. And worshiping other gods, not allowed, and yet people did it. And failure to perform the worship. There's no punishing for failure to perform the worship. There's only punishing for the idolatry. But establishing the true religion, helping to endow the church when it's in a time of chaos, what you see is the reform of the temple, the reestablishing of things, and then the magistrate backing away, and giving the courts back to the churches to be able to handle that stuff. And so, you know, we look at that as Americans and we go, I don't want that. Okay. I mean, why don't you go read about the good kings in the Bible? Go read about Hezekiah. Go read about Josiah. And you go, that's a, the- that's a theocracy. Okay. So... What about it has ended? What, what, what about God's law there is over? What about that is not good for man now? What, 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 what makes you think that in the New Testament era, we're going to have less godly civil government than the best kings
0: of the Old Testament? All right. I got to let you go because your time, you hit your time, and I, I'm not going to hold you any longer because I, I will, but I got to ask this, and you can answer this very shortly. You've given us a lot of medicine to think through, to work through. I took a lot of notes. I hope everybody else did. And anytime you go to the doctor and you take medicine for your ailment, there's always one question that everybody asks, which is, so, doc, how long is it going to take to fix it? <laughs> right? Like, right. How, long, how long does it take? Okay, let's say I do this. All the, all four of these things, I get it together. When does stuff kick in and everything goes great?
1: So, I think that depends on the path that things roll down right so let's pretend that everything stays relatively stable and let's say that the that you know the federal government doesn't come and and start you know punishing preachers for preaching the bible and so we're here we have christian businesses and we have christian churches and we can get some christian people elected and all that kind of stuff and it all kind of fizzles out and we don't have some sort of great oppression that occurs here well i think we could see within a generation you know a significant turnaround and depending on if the Lord brings mass conversions, it could be even faster than that. But the reality is we're having children, and surprisingly, who knew? Two dudes can't have any kids. What? Um, what? You know. So, so that that thing—the reality that we're having children and that we evangelize—and if you just don't hand your kids over to Caesar, it could be really fast. And so, that being the case, on the other side of things, if we find that this doesn't remain stable, if this does not remain stable then there's going to be a continued consolidation around zones and balkanization could occur then a decade, two decades, whatever. And the danger is that we just continue to be boiled as, you know, the, the frog, right? And so if we're just here and we don't do anything and we just keep losing and then they oppress us and there's not enough of us and that's it. Okay. Then then great curse is going to come on this land even more than it has and it's going to be destroyed. and. Lord Jesus Christ will use some other base of operations to conquer the world. But if you want to be a part of that great work, then you want to see you're building stuff here, you're resisting the age, you have Christian institutions and you're gathering people around. And then eventually we might have sufficient strength to take the whole. But alternately, Balkanization. So if we don't get one of those things, if we don't get a we're left alone and we get to build and gradually make Christian zones, um, and we don't have balkanization, uh, then we lose the opportunity to be a, a glorious display here. But I think that stuff can happen fast. I think balkanization can occur in less than a generation. And I think that non balkanization, but seeing the whole reformed, could occur
0: within a generation. Yeah, or you use, become an example, a glorious example of what not to do or who not to be, because God don't tolerate that. All right, puritanphx.com. That's the website to the church, correct? I get it right. Yes, Puritanphx. Right. And uh, if somebody wants some amazing body armor to wear in case things go south, and just because body armor is a tool of liberty, so everybody should have some anyway, because the more tools of liberty you have, the more liberty the nation has. Where could they go? Uh, armoredrepublic.com you say it so like so calm it's you didn't even give like a big pitch for like you got a huge armor company there the number one outfitter for all of the people was is it is it everybody all the um the non-contractors how do you say that
1: yeah so other than people that are selling principally the defense industry we're we're the biggest player in the space so we're the biggest oh, for a direct consumer for as far as as far as selling to the American citizen we're That's the big what, player in the space.
0: Wow. Praise God, man. I hope that. May your borders increase to 2024. Appreciate you so much, brother. Thank you for joining us on on Unleashed on Family Friday. All right. I'll holler at you later. Um, go do pastor stuff. I'm sure you got a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of you, you guys know what to do. Um, Would you share this? Just hit this little like button, the share button. and Go do your thing out there. Uh, I see not a lot of people liked it. You know, you just came in and enjoyed this. Don't be that guy this year. You know, resolve in 2024 that you're going to be the person that actually at least likes content. You don't have to share it, but engage with it. There's this guy who was doing some content. He was phenomenal. And I noticed that I had watched... Almost all his videos and I never, I've been laughing. I've been talking to other people about them and I've watched his videos and I didn't hit the like button on any of the videos. And I was like, wow, all this capital, this man is working hard, making me laugh, making me talk about him. And I haven't engaged with any of his, shame on me. We have become ungrateful consumers of content and people are working out there to bring us content and we just act like we should just have it. Let's not be that guy in 2024. Hit the like button, hit the share button say thank you. That's all you have to do. Just don't be rude. Just say thank you. Salute. This is Knox 2024.